you never know if you can have children as a woman. I think a lot of people assume, but even as a man, man, women, you you don't know. You don't know what kind of issues you're going to have. Like being older, I got married when I was 40. So I knew there was probably going to be, if we decided to do that, um, there were going to be some issues. This episode, having a baby in your 40s, and Darth Vader as a role model in corporate leadership. I'm Daniel Lance, along with co-host Paul Gilman, and from Paul's Basement Studios, this is Pod So One. Alexandra Santiago Aguilar, a self-described Salvadorican, grew up in Long Island, New York, and after decades of focusing on her career, found love and decided to pursue motherhood in her 40s. Alex shares her journey with in vitro fertilization and her plans to blog about her experience as a new mother for the sake of other women in her situation. We also hear from Alex on how her pursuit of an MBA played into her corporate success and why she has a huge poster of Darth Vader in her office. So here's Alex. Alex, welcome to Podso One. Excited to have you on. We are uh, ready to talk about all kinds of fun stuff, but we should start with where you were born and where you grew up. Well, <clears throat> first, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me to be here with y'all. So I was born in San Salvador, El Salvador. Yes, uh, you <laughs> Yes, and we, I actually grew up on Long Island, New York, but my mom is from El Salvador. Uh, my dad's from Puerto Rico, and they actually met when they were uh, working in New York. Because uh, they had, you know, uh, migrated to, to the distant states when they were younger. And they decided to have uh, my sister and I um, both in El Salvador so that um, we could enjoy dual citizenship uh, recognized by that government, not by the United States government. So they, you, before, while your mom was pregnant, mm-hmm. they went back to El Salvador so you could be born there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, my dad deposited my mom back there and he came back here to work. <laughs> Wow, and I guess so you, then, you what you got to do if you're going after dual citizenship. <laughs> yeah, yep. And so then, uh, right around the time that, you know, we were ready to be born, he went back. And then uh, he was there for the birth, so it worked out. Then you were born in, what, the late uh, 90s? Don't answer That's that. correct. Don't, yeah, nice. <laughs> so your dad's Puerto Rican, your mom's uh, Salvadoran. So yeah. how do you consider yourself? Well, I think it depends on any given day. Could either be a Salvadorican or a Puertadorian, depending on when you know. Because each of those cultures are actually they're very different. A lot of people don't realize that. I think um, the Salvadorian culture is kind of like more conservative, um, more reserved, and then there's the Puerto Rican culture, uh, which is opposite. <laughs> so depending on you know if, if it's a feisty kind of day, then it's probably leaning towards more of the Puertadorian. If it's a reserved. Salvadorican. Do you ha- what, which days do you have m- most often? Probably now, I would say af- after having the baby, it's more of the Puertadorian. Uh, more of the feisty. Yeah. Uh, really? Is that like uh, mm-hmm. mama tiger kind of thing? Pr- protective? Yeah. Mama? I mean, it could be that. It could be hormones. Or it could just be that, you know, when you're so tired, you know, of doing a, a bunch of stuff and, you know, I, I think I think it comes out that way. So how long did you live in El Salvador after you were born? We didn't live there um, maybe like a month or two. We didn't really live there. So what happened was, it's interesting, my dad, immediately upon my mom giving birth, he ran over to the American embassy uh, and said, okay, you know, well, he's a U.S. citizen. My mom was a U.S. citizen at that time already. So then he was like, we need to, you know, make sure that they get their passport and you know, and get our, um, what do you call it, um, birth certificates. And so um, it's interesting because mine says that um, uh, my sister and I are U.S. citizens born abroad. And so then we traveled on a plane for the first time when we were like, what, 30, 45 days old. And then we came back to the States. And then I'm the younger one. So they actually did this first with my sister, and they repeated the same thing over uh, when I was born. They deposited my back. <laughs> I mean, that takes some uh, serious planning and forethought, right? 
Now, after having a baby, yeah, I always thought it was so simple. Like, I thought everybody did that. I'm like, everybody goes to other countries and, you know, we, you know, have babies and, you know, they come back. But, yeah, I think I would have been terrified if that were me. <laughs> Why do you think they wanted you to have a, a Salvadoran passport? So, my mom's family all lived in El Salvador. And so, again, they had a lot of, you know, future forward thinking and they knew that we were going to be um like going there every summer which is actually what happened when i grew up i i was there every summer even throughout the um war you know that that was going on the civil war which is an interesting topic in and of itself but <clears throat> they wanted us to see the relatives so it would just be an easier an easier way to get in in and out of the country very practical super practical. <laughs> yeah yeah so they figured it out with your sister, like, hey, we're uh, you're pregnant again. Let's let's uh, repeat what we did with uh, <laughs> our first kid. That's right, and it's a different way of life there too. You know, like my mom's not stupid either. Like there, she had access to like personal nurses and you know, like um, a lot of nannies, you know, type of thing. And she did not have that when she came back to the U.S. Right. So you know, it was it was good. I think that would have been definitely an incentive, like. Um, to do that you know thinking now uh what it's all about but but yeah and then we we grew up going there every summer so we we thankfully obviously my my family lived in the um in the capital but you know you you definitely knew there was a war going on you know to the point that we would my sister and i would like wave to the helicopters you know the first aid helicopters you know you would hear a lot of the some of the fighting that went on um where they lived there wasn't anything in the immediate area but it was just so interesting that you could, you knew that this was going on as a child, but yet at the same time, we would go, you know, out at night for walks and get ice cream, you know, amidst all this that was happening. But it's a beautiful country. I don't know if you have ever guys are interested in going there one day. And I know, Paul, you go, you've gone to Belize uh, and you know the, the beauty that's there. I've never been there, but El Salvador is just gorgeous. Uh, your family's still there, a lot of them? Yeah, my whole mom's family is pretty much still there. So I, I went there a couple of years ago, and it was just so interesting because it's completely, like, Americanized. Like, where we stayed, we stayed at the Marriott. Like, it was a little mall, like, where there was, like, a Benihana. There was, like, a Mac, like, makeup store. We went to Starbucks. I'm like, am I in Miami or like, you know, is it it El Salvador? And I heard it's become like one of the um, premier spots for surfing. Wow. Uh, So yeah, like when we were there, so many people were like speaking English and that's not usually, you know, how it was before, but it's just, you know, it's gorgeous. But then you have the, you know, all the other side of the, the other, I guess, things that are happening in the country too. You know, when we were there, like there was high alert about the gang activities and, You've you've all heard about that, you know, kind of stuff too. So once again, it's always this, um, it's like a a paradox. It's always like the beauty and then there's always some kind of like conflict, which is a shame. What are your uh, fondest memories of going to El Salvador in the summer? Oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, We had, um, my uh, relatives had a beach house and they, um, it's very, it's black soil because of the uh, lava volcano. So we spent a lot of, of, um, of our time there and, uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just so much fun. I mean, but the, the best thing about it was just, you know, being with family and it's just like this tropical paradise, you know, and it's just, it was amazing. And then I think, you know, as a child, you know, you, you, you really appreciate that stuff as an adult. Um, I think when I look back, it's not just those memories that I cherish. Um, but it's also, you know, my parents were very brave. Um, you know, to go down and visit my family during that time. And, but I'm glad they did it because it gave me a different perspective, you know, on, you know, kind of world, just different world affairs, you know, kind of what happens, you know, uh, maybe sometimes things are not maybe broadcasted or um, reported on, you know, the way that things maybe are happening in other places. So it right. gave me a good perspective, I think. What about your dad's family? Are they still in Puerto Rico or are they mostly in New York? New York. No. Yeah, he's got like some, but the majority are like New York and he's got some in Orlando and some in South Florida. So they've, they're pretty much here. 
So if you could spend the next three months in Atlanta, New York, Puerto Rico, or El Salvador, where are you going? Not, you don't have the normal concern, day-to-day concerns of making a bunch of money. Yeah. Money's okay. You can go to one of those yeah. four places for three months. I would go to El Salvador, but I would split it up, actually. I would go to Puerto Rico, too. I would spend three quarters of the time in El Salvador, and then I would go to Puerto Rico. Would we went be- to Puerto Rico for a honeymoon. Hmm? Oh, nice. Would that be mildly offensive to your dad, what you just said? The one No, not at all. Okay. No, because he actually, he, um, he loved El Salvador too. He loved Puerto Rico. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, that's his, that's a jam, but like El Salvador, um, is, uh, is very special to him too. And, um, you know how, uh, Hispanics, just like, you know, regionally in the United States, people have different accents. And so, you know, you can tell somebody who's speaking from Puerto Rico. You can tell somebody who's speaking from El Salvador. My dad actually ended up, like, ended up adopting a lot of that uh, Salvadorian accent. So he was like a Puerto Rican with a Salvadorian accent. (laughs) And so, yeah, he loves El Salvador. So he would would go back in a heartbeat. Awesome. So you grew up on Long Island? I did, Long Island. So you have to say it Long Island, right? Is is that how people say it? What do you RG, long. Oh my gosh. There's so many. <laughs> did you go into the city a lot or did you stay out on the island? Yeah, no, my dad grew up in Manhattan. So we would go um, to the city. Like we would have like Sundays were family day. We, you know, Hispanic, very family oriented. So Valley Stream actually was um, rated, I think, one of the best places to live on Long Island recently. Um, cause it's such a very, it's such a quaint like town, but it's like 15 miles, I think from like JFK where my dad worked. And then it was like, a, you know, 20 miles from the city. It was not far at all. And it was just like the perfect place to grow up. So yeah, we used to, my parents like made it like their mission to take us out, you know, either to way out on the Island to like Suffolk County, um, or, uh, to the city. And so, you know, they would take us to museums so, or like Rockefeller Center and, and Christmas time, you know, so many memories. Like my, they used to take us to a pumpkin patch for Halloween and, and the town, of course, and no offense to them, it was called Hicksville. But yeah, so it was just a very wholesome, uh, very awesome upbringing. And, uh, you know, at that time, there were not a lot of Hispanics uh, in the town. And I went to a, a parochial a Catholic school with my sister and we were the only Hispanics at the, in the school. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So, um, it was really interesting. Um, and we started learning Spanish, um, like that was our first language, but then, you know, we quickly, I guess there's not a lot of motivation to speak it if nobody else does. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you need to practice it, right? Exactly. Are your parents still up there? They, no, they're in South Florida now. Oh, they went to Miami. Yeah. Is that just because that's mm-hmm. what people do when they get older? They go to South Florida? That's right. Okay. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> no. No, we actually migrated. Um, let's see. I guess I was probably a teenager um, when we moved to South Florida. And I don't know why. I do know why. My dad always tried to get, like, the best schools, you know. And, you know, it just he was really a good dad. He's a good dad. Uh, but once again, we went to this little town, which is an awesome town, but it was very, um, like people still rode horses and stuff like for fun, you know, but like that was very common, but it was a little town called, um, Cooper city. It's not like that anymore, but it was an amazing town. Once again, my sister and I were like very, you know, one of the only Hispanics (laughs) in school again. So I don't know how that worked out, but, uh, but it was a, it was a great it was a great little town and it, it's called Cooper city. Davie borders this other town. And Davie is actually, if you go to the main street of Davie, there it's like a very, like the city ordinance is that you have to kind of keep this kind of old Western kind of look to it. In yeah. Florida? Yeah. This is like, but this is like a hundred years ago when I went there, right? It's different now. So no, it's, where it's, I, it's like 10 years ago because you were born in the late nineties, but anyway, <laughs> true it was only five years ago but yeah like my um high school was cooper city it was the home of the cowboys my first year there even though they canceled it 
the homecoming was going to be at the rodeo. <laughs> and then so they, it's like in this little town, next to the town that Cooper City Davy that uh, the McDonald's has a hitching post. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Were uh, horses ever hitched to the hitching post at the McDonald's? I never saw one hitched. I always wanted to, but I never did. <laughs> I, I can't imagine there were a lot of horses rolling around near that McDonald's. Probably not anymore. No. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, Alex, you became a mother uh, almost a year ago now. You have oh, an 11th no. month old named Michaela. Uh, and I hear that you've been toying with the idea of starting a mom blog. I am. Tell us about that. <laughs> so it's really interesting. I, um, I'm not ashamed of my age because I look younger. No, I'm just kidding. I hope I look younger, but I don't anymore after having a baby. But um, so I'm 45. And that's not, you know, when you look around and you see other moms, they're usually a lot younger. <laughs> and so it's very interesting. The whole kind of renaissance you go through with being an older mother, you know, an executive, you know, at this company that Paul and I used to work at. And then, you know, I'm actually, I've only been married not even five years. And so that's still kind of new too. So yeah, I've been toying around with the idea of, um, of writing a blog because like, it's been very, um, there've been some challenges, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, it's not been like so easy. I didn't think it would be, um, but, you know, you always wonder, like, how do other mothers, you know, handle this? How do other women, you know, that have been so career focused their whole life and now they find themselves in this situation? Like, what, you know, how do you, where's the support system? You know, like, I don't have any family here. So it's pretty much me, you know, like, and my husband, um, you know, that, that watch the baby. We, had, we sent her to daycare. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking about doing a blog because when I, when I try to Google things or look up things, it's, uh, there's not a lot of material or a lot of um, information on like uh, older uh, executive moms. There's a lot of stuff on working moms. There's a lot of stuff on like older moms, but never the two. And then I like, I like, <laughs> I um, found this one article and it was like, the secret society of like executive, you know, working mothers. And I'm like, holy, you know, my gosh. I'm like, it's like, I picture like robes and cloaks. And I'm like, is it like the Illuminati? Or <laughs> <laughs> They select two every decade from each state. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's some kind of sacrifice, you know, they sound serious. <laughs> so, you know, I think that there are more of us out there. And I would love to, you know, connect with, with some of those people. And I think the, one of the first steps would be to start blogging, you know, and I think I, I try to find, Paul could attest to this, but I, I really do try to find humor in everything. Just this whole, you know, from the childbirth till now, there've been a lot of humorous situations. <laughs> so I think that's another, um, you know, reason why I want to just write about that kind of stuff. That's so cool. You probably have what, uh, a blog uh, a day, at least, right? You can write something <laughs> every day, I'm guessing. I could. I could. I think there's a lot of material out there. Um, you know, some of it's kind of heavy, but, uh, you know, some of it is just so funny. Like, you know, how can you not? And there's got to be somebody else, you know, out there, you know, a lot of other women that just, I think there's a stigma to it, if I'm going to be honest, right? I think that, um, you know, older moms probably aren't saying, hey, everyone, you know, I'm here. Um, and then you also have, like, uh, the executive, you know, moms. Um, it's just something that, like, it's probably seen as maybe people, maybe they don't want to be seen as, like, complaining or, you know, just, you know, you just got to deal with it, which, yes, to a certain extent, but there's a lot of things, um, you know, that happen in this whole transition, you know, I mean, I've been working since I was like 15 years old. I was a full-time teller by the time I was 17. So this other career has been my whole life. And then when you go into this transition, you kind of have to reinvent yourself. So what are some examples of, uh, of, of blog posts that you have in your head that you, you might want to write? So I think one of them is uh, the uh, maternity leave 
right? That was especially challenging for me. So, you know, you see all these young mothers and I'm like, I'm really tired. <laughs> like they're all like going to the park and they got their kid on them. And I'm like, I'm going to take a nap, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> I have like no energy. I'm like, I think it's because I'm old. <laughs> and so <laughs> then there's, um, I don't mind putting it out there because it's, it's something that I would love to talk about because I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. But, you know, there was one part where I actually had a panic attack um, I never had a panic attack in my whole life, but, you know, I, I guess hormones, everything else, you know, I think that was a, it's just the harsh transition. So that's one of the more heavier topics, but um, I lived through it. You know, the, the poor EMT guys, you know, they came and they're like, you know, they're like, your heart's okay. <laughs> you're breathing. You're almost like a hundred percent oxygen level. <laughs> you're okay. Um, oh man. Uh, but yeah, and it's just like you go through these things, and luckily there was a lady there. She was she was great. She was like a you know a grandmother, and she's like I, you know look, I remember when I went through something like that, you know too. But she's like, it's something that we all go through, and I'm like, but nobody's really talking about it. <laughs> and then probably another topic um, that was really concerning for me was you know I don't know if you've heard, um, but they say that horm like hormones uh, kick in and. There's a lot of, um, like pregnancy brain. You've heard of that term before? Um, no, actually. Where... Okay. I, so I have, because I've been with my wife for three pregnancies. <laughs> yeah. So you tell, you know what it is, right? That it's. Yeah. It's unpredictable. It's, it's unpredictable. You forget a lot of things. Um, like, I mean, not just like, you know, oh, where are my keys? It's kind of like you forget like major things. Um, and it's different. It differs among women. Um, but, you know, being an older mom, and I, I, I say this in jest, but not really, you know, like, I was forgetting things. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, is it that, you know, pregnancy, you know, post-pregnancy brain and pregnancy brain, because it takes a while to recover? Or I'm like, is it early dementia? You know, so it's like, I... <laughs> You know, like, and, a, and a mom blog would make you feel better about that if you knew other women went through that, right? I think so. I think so. I can't be the only one. But um, at the same time, you know, I am proud doing this at, an, at a later age, you know, something that we really wanted. You know, you just get through it. I think you should definitely do it. It'd be a public service. It would be a great, it would, other moms that go through the same thing you did, chasing a career and then deciding that they want to have kids later on. I think it's a great mm -hmm. thing that they can look and say, hey, there's acceptance, there's precedent, there are people out there that have also done this. So I'm all for it. Alex, here's the deal. Uh, as soon mm -hmm. as you get 10 people that read your blog or participate mm -hmm. in the blog, we'll have you back on so you can talk about it. All right, cool. <laughs> and thank you for the encouragement. Yeah. Bye. I do wonder, uh, how do you, you're, you're currently a, an executive at the company that you're at and you have a baby and you want to blog as well? It seems like a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no stopping, Alex. <laughs> Thankfully, I take a lot of vitamins. <laughs> that's, that's all it takes. Take a bunch of vitamins and you're good. And I stopped nursing so I could drink like coffee now. <laughs> so those are gifts from heaven. And, uh, but yeah, I think, um, and I wouldn't do like anything, you know, super crazy, but just to get those thoughts out and beacon signals out into the, uh, the right. world would probably make me feel better and hopefully it would make somebody else feel better. Oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah. And you can do a little bragging about Michaela, right? Get to put oh my gosh. Yeah. And she's so she's, so she's walking and talking now, right? Yeah. She's starting to, she's very strong willed. She's very strong. Um, thank God. And she's a, she's very smart. Even like when she was a little baby, uh, she was uh, the type that would like, she would kind of look at you like it was a little creepy because she would just like watch you. <laughs> most babies like we're not even opening eyes and she would just like it's a creeper but she's uh, now eating solid foods of course she's learning to um walk um she's starting to talk her first word was no nice of there course so yeah the apple doesn't fall far and so yeah it's been a joy i mean you really do get a lot of and you know this Paul too like you get you get energy from them and she's just beautiful of course she's my baby but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking I couldn't wait for uh, my my kids, my first one, to walk, and then mm -hmm. he started walking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's exhausting. I can't keep up with him. I wish we'd go back to not being able to walk. That would be amazing. But of course, 
they have to progress. They have to mature. But it's funny. You want something so bad, like having your ba- baby walk. And then when they do, you're like, maybe I didn't think through that one. Yeah, it is. Um, it is crazy. Like she's all over the place now. And she like, at first she didn't crawl and now she's starting to crawl and it's like, okay, you know, but now she's like, she kind of moves around, you know, grabs on things so she can, you know, walk. But, and she's also starting to mimic a lot of the things, which is kind of scary and funny at the same time and fun. You know, she'll sit in front of the keyboard because she watches us in our COVID environment here. You know, we're with her. We're doing daycare now too, Mm -hmm. uh, my husband and I. But, you know, she like sits and like plays on the keyboard and then looks up the screen. And like, you, it looks like she's actually typing and like looking at something. So I think she sees us doing all day, um, which is interesting. And then, you know, of course we do a lot of FaceTime, but I don't think she can distinguish between the people, you know, the face that like her grandmother, because she's like waving, you know, she's starting to wave, you know, she waves at the TV all the time or like people on the conference calls, like she's waving at them all the time. So she's... <laughs> very cute face i think there's a lot of like high fidelity stuff about being really with a person in the same room that you lose when you're doing video chat like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but alex and i have not seen each other for a while so i'm i'm happy to see you today even though it's virtually alex likewise me too so alex uh as an older mom um and and you you and i have uh compared notes. Of course, I'm, I'm a man and you're a woman, so it's, it's different. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I had uh, some struggles uh, getting pregnant with our, uh, with our children. And we went mm-hmm. through a process that was uh, mentally and emotionally trying and exhausting at times, uh, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, so t- tell us about uh, trying to get pregnant. Yeah. So it's the uh, I kind of back up even more because I never thought I would actually have a baby, be pregnant, or, or even married. <laughs> like I thought I was going to be single, and I had accepted that. I was, I just didn't think that I would have anything else, and I was okay with that. I had lived a very happy life. <laughs> but then uh, I met my husband. We got married, and then um, you know we said, well, you know, if we're gonna we started to talk about, you know, potentially having children. And I never, it just never, you never know if you can have children as a woman. I think a lot of people assume, but even as a man, man, women, you know, you don't know, you don't know what kind of issues you're going to have. Like being older, I got married when I was 40. So I knew there was probably going to be, if we decided to do that, um, there were going to be some issues. So I kind of had that um, in the back of my mind. I said, okay, well, you know, my husband and I said, well, let's just go for it um, and see what happens um, and try to have a baby. And it didn't work out naturally. So we sought different, you know, we went to different doctors and stuff. And we found a, we finally went to a fertility place. And I was not wanting to do it because you hear so many horror stories, kind of like, you know, what you're saying, it's it's just emotional uh, roller coaster, you, you know, and then on top of that, they kind of, tell you all these things um, about the drugs, you know, that you have to take, and then the impacts it has on your body. And, you know, so it's so scary. But, you know, we went, and then um, they kind of, you know, do all this assessment and everything. And then we decided to go for it. And we did. And I think the mom blog is going to have some, some um, entries on that, too. Uh, because my husband was really good. Um, he's the one that would be, who would, he would administer a lot of the, uh, the shots. Right. Um, you know, you had to say, did you have to do that with your wife? My, my wife is not afraid of needles and has no problem. Oh, really? Administering. Yeah. So she didn't need my help. Uh, I, I yeah. thought she was amazing for uh, giving the shots to herself. Holy cow. That's a hero. Yeah. Oh, what man. Are these shots for? I couldn't. So there's like a couple of different shots and a couple of different like pills you take, but it's basically all hormones getting like, you know, not to get too, you know, <laughs> into, but like getting your uterus lining ready, getting, you know, kind of preparing your body, basically like a, if you could do it naturally, your body would do it, you know, naturally, you know, uh, when you don't, it, it, they kind of give you these drugs to, to prep your body to, to, to have this baby and also to sustain it. And so it's a fairly complex process, but um, it's so they they have it so down pat. 
like it's just like this thing like you know what I mean you're like okay and it's just like they have these little templates like you know you will take these medicines this time and it's just amazing you know and then all of a sudden you have a baby you know if you're one of the fortunate ones you know like uh, thank god yeah yeah and sometimes you don't you know um but you know I've had since talk to a lot of people that have been considering it. I'm very open about IVF and, you know, I I will talk to anybody about it, especially women who are, you know, you're nervous about it or scared. I actually had an okay experience. Like, like my, um, my moods weren't that severe, uh, Paul, because I knew you, right? Like, so, I mean, I was kind of normal. I think, yeah. And, and one of the things, um, that I found fascinating uh, was that I played tennis, like, um, I was just starting to get into leagues and stuff. And one of the most fascinating things that happened was, like I said, I have, I'm self-diagnosed ADD and it doesn't take much to, you know, squirrel to get me, um, distracted. So it's really hard when I play tennis sometimes because I'm like, Oh, you know, I should be watching the ball, but I'm like looking over here somewhere else. So these drugs, I took these drugs. I'm like, I don't know if I should be playing tennis, but what the heck, you know? So I went to play tennis and I played um, a match and I am telling you, like I was hyper focused on that ball. Like I could see the little fuzz on the ball. Those drugs were like the best thing for playing tennis. And like, I think I won like 6-0, 6-0. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, and then, of course, when I stopped taking the drugs, like, I've never gotten like that again. <laughs> like, Could you take those drugs to help you focus for the rest of your life? Or is that not advisable because they have other weird side effects? It's, yes, it's not advisable because they have other weird side effects. But I did ask the doctor. I'm like, okay, am I crazy? Or, like, did this really happen? And then she's like, no. She's like, it actually, in some women, you know, it helps them to concentrate. And some women, it doesn't. It does the opposite. She's like, you were the lucky ones. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. It's almost like you were it's on my tennis game. Yeah, Keanu Reeves in the Matrix kind of thing. Everything slowed down. <laughs> That's exactly how it was. <laughs> but so you you actually were seeing a specialist and it didn't take very long to yeah. get pregnant. Yeah, we did have um one like miscarriage and then um and then the second time it worked. So we are probably one of the very fortunate, very lucky, lucky ones to do that you know, and have it be successful the second round. But there's, there's a lot of still stigma around that too, still. Um, and a lot of fear, um, a lot of women, you know, a lot of friends don't want to do that because they think, oh my gosh, you know, the hormones will make me crazy. These drugs are going to make me crazy. But, you know, all of the people, a lot of the women that I've talked to, they, they're fine. And so I don't know why there's this like a stigma that a lot of the women aren't, you know. I'm sure some of them, you know, they do have bad um, effects from it. But, you know, I think it's still a worthwhile endeavor if you want to, if you want a baby. And we're certainly happy, you know, that we did it. Yeah, my, my wife and I struggled to, uh, for her to get pregnant naturally. And she really wanted kids and I really wanted kids. And we would do just about anything to, uh, to get there. And so, yeah, I, I'm very happy. No regrets, uh, the path we took, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I have three adorable uh, Michaela's in my life that ignore me all the time. They're teenagers. <laughs> oh. Enjoy the first 12 years of Michaela's life, by the way. I uh, know. I keep thinking about that. But, you know, I'll be 100 by the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> teenagers, you, we're you'll good. You'll be 87 when she graduates high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what gave you the idea of uh, jumping into an MBA? I always wanted to uh, get my MBA. Um, it was something. It was always like a bucket list thing or something I always wanted to pursue. Um, I think um, it's just it's just a great experience, you know, to go through. Um, I love um, you know I love the whole academics. Um, side of it. My, um, my program was an executive MBA. Um, so I was like, oh, at first I was so naive. I was so stupid. I was like, well, you know, maybe it's, um, if it's an executive MBA, then they understand that, you know, we're busy 
and you know uh, it would be like this abbreviated you know program but it's not it is a compressed program in so 17 you, months you were already an executive when you decided to go get an MBA okay yes <laughs> and so why would they call it an executive one and then compress it and make it more work do you think that's because I, I don't know so that's that's what I thought and I'm like okay surely they mean this but no I think the logic there is is that okay you're doing all this stuff so you could take it just deal with it you know mm -hmm. and Georgia Tech is not easy either so uh it was there were a lot of tears man I probably cried more there than I did when I was like giving birth you know what I mean like, <laughs> like through my whole pregnancy <laughs> It was a lot of lonely three o'clock in the morning, you know, writing papers and uh, yeah. And we, it's like a Friday night program. Uh, and then like Friday, five 30 to nine 30 in the middle of downtown Atlanta. And then um, from eight 30 in the morning or yeah, like to five 30 on Saturdays. And it was like every other um, weekend. And so it was really intense. Um, but it was as intense as it was, it was like the best, you know, best, best experience. We actually, um, mine was a, a master of technology management. And then the other cohort was um, global, global business. And so, but we all as a, as a, you know, one class, all 120 of us or 100 of us got to go to China, excuse me. And so we studied there for a week oh. at a, a university there. Uh-huh. And then um, in Beijing, but we, then we went to Shanghai and throughout the whole trip, um, we actually got to go to different um, businesses and, um, you know, um, like for example, we went to Amazon over there and we got to see Boeing. Uh, we got to the president of Boeing over there, but so many other companies. Um, and then we got to hear like their kind of chamber of commerce leaders. So it was just an experience that I, you know, once in a lifetime. Then we went on our own um, to Hong Kong for a little bit too. So, you know, it was just an amazing trip. And then that whole, that whole program, they do it so well. You just, you know, you learn a lot. It's, it, is, it is a very short amount of time, but um, they do a really good job of, you know, making sure that they've got a lot of, uh, you know, the right level of uh, classroom interaction, you know, going to China and things like that. So do you think it gave you, it actually helped a lot with your skills at quote unquote uh, business administration? Yes, I think it did. Um, but it, I think the main thing that it helped me do also was gain different levels of perspective, like looking at things through different lenses. So the company, right, that, that Paul and I worked with, it, it, it was a growing company and, you know, it was going through the different um, you know, levels of growth. Um, and it, it was just great insight to, okay, you know, this is probably what, you know, what the company is thinking about doing, you know, in the next five years, these are kind of the, um, the challenges or their growing pains um, that they're going to go through or that they are going through. And this is how some other companies have handled it um, successfully and some that haven't, some of the pitfalls. And so, you know, it really, it really helped to look at it through a different lens. Mm. And yeah, and it was, so yeah, I think it did help. And personally too, because it's like, you know, once you go through that experience, it's kind of like you're kind of put through the ringer. So it's kind of like, well, I, I can do anything right now, you know, yeah. or close to anything. And Georgia Tech is a school that's, you know, near um, and dear to our family because my husband went there for undergrad. And, you know, the running joke is, is that he was he wanted to marry a girl from Georgia Tech. So he's like, he's made one. <laughs> so he helped me get it. You know, he, he's the one who encouraged me to go there. And so he's like, yeah, I just, I just made one. I'm like, that's nice. But <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I, the, my timeline's messed up. Did you guys meet before you went to Georgia Tech? Mm -hmm. No, so he um, he went like when he was, my husband, oh, I didn't tell you yet. My husband's five years younger than me too. So <laughs> okay. um, he, which I, I'm reminded about that a lot here, but um, he uh, went to undergrad. And so, no, that was like a while ago. And then, um, and so then, but we, we go to, we, you know, even when I first met him, one of our first dates was going to a Georgia Tech football game. Um, so like Georgia Tech is just, is everywhere, you know? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. They're the little uh, wasps, right? Or bees? 
The bees, yeah, the yellow jackets. No. Yellow jackets. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Daniel's reminding us that he lived overseas for a while. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got the mascot yeah. almost right. You yeah, did. You were in the right uh, you did. family. Yes. That's right. Uh, so I went to another school for undergrad, which I'm I'm proud of. It's Florida International University, but a lot of people don't know about it. You know, it's it's you know I rarely run into people who have gone to FIU, but it's a great school. It's a great business school. Um, but um, you know, and there's a sense of pride there. But when you meet these um, Yellow Jackets, right? These um, Georgia Tech folks, it's it's it goes it's deep, man. Like it's a, a sense of pride that it's awesome to see. It's, cool. um, it's very cool. And so, and now I've got it, right? So now I'm very proud of it because I think it's part, you know, like our football team is not the best right now. We're actually have a new coach and we have a lot of high hopes for that. Um, but it's the academics we're really proud of, you know, they really make you um, earn your degree. <laughs> and the saying is, is that like, you know, when you're there, you know, you hate it, you absolutely hate it and you want to rip your, you know, eyeballs out. <laughs> but when you're out, it's, you know, you, you miss it. You know, I still keep in contact with a lot of people. I was there, even though it's a short time frame. And so does my husband, you know, from when he was there, we even have a room upstairs, in our, a little media room where it's like Georgia Tech, you know, it's like blue and everything has, we have, um, you know, like signed, posters from uh, coach, uh, coach Paul Johnson, who's the former coach. And so, yeah, there's, so there's a lot of pride. So, so Daniel is a technologist uh, and your emphasis for your MBA was technology management. You, you guys want to get nerdy and talk about technology right now? <laughs> Were you ever a, a programmer or did you ever get into that kind of stuff? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't code. I don't. Um, but I can tell you, have you got, are you going to pursue an MBA or anything like that? Or have you? I haven't thought about it because about it? they're, they're so expensive. And uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my reasoning is like, if I'm going to go into that much debt, I should just uh, quit my job and start a business and see if it works out for a year. And even if I flop, I'll have spent probably less than I went than I did for an MBA. And I don't know mm -hmm. if I would have learned as much or more. So actually, that, mm -hmm. that's a good, you know, is there any merit to that idea or is that just foolhardiness? No, I mean, so like I look at my husband and he actually has his own, his own business, right? So he's not an entrepreneur. Uh, and so he was always um, pursuing like, um, you know, so he already had that. He started his business, I think when he was in his early twenties, he worked at EY and then he went um, and decided to do his own thing. Uh, and then he went back to like a corporate role. And then for the past few years, he's been doing his own thing again. Um, so he actually went back and he got his MBA too. Oh, um, really? Yes. Yeah, so right. he actually, he's just a good guy. He stopped his MBA so that I could go get mine. And then when I graduated. He wow. He, he's a keeper, Alex. He is. He's a really good guy. I'm, I'm very blessed. But so then, um, but he, he, um, his uh, focus um, in this MBA was entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. Um, so I think that was a good, um, mm. you know, very good for him. But, um, and he, like, I think he uses it, you know, he's, um, as he has discussions with his clients and stuff like that, you know, um, but I don't know, like, I, I would always encourage somebody to do, you know, go an entrepreneurial route, um, just because I've, I've seen him and it's something like, I've always wanted to pursue, but I've been too chicken, you know, <laughs> to do it. Um, it's a big decision. Um, you know, it's something that I still have on my list. Um, but I think it's something that, you know, you, you know, if you're especially being younger, you know, and, you know, once you get older, you're kind of tied to different obligations and stuff. But, you know, I would always, always uh, encourage somebody to do that. So, Here's a question then for let's mm -hmm. say a, a kid who's kind of young and wants to learn about entrepreneurship and running a business. Mm -hmm. Should they take out a hundred thousand dollar loan and start a business if they have an idea or should they take out a hundred thousand dollars in student loans and go and get an MBA? So I think it depends on what path you want to go on. Um, but one of the things that, um, so one of the things that we learned right in, um, and 
my program, the MBA program, was that we actually had to create a product, um, a real one. And we had to take it from the beginning all the way to like how you would market it, right? And we had to like present it in front of um, venture um, capitalists, you know, and, and see if they were actually interested in, in this in this pro- product. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, on one hand, you would want to make sure that you've got a, a really good um, product that fills a need. You know what I mean? Like you got to really, I think, think through that. Um, and if you have, if you, I don't think you have to like go crazy um, and, um, you know, do so, so much research and, you know, kind of get overboard on that. But you do have to have, I think, a plan and make sure that you're going to have, uh, that you have a semblance of, you know, what you're going to produce is going to produce a cash flow, um, you know, eventually. And I think you've got to, you've got to make sure you've got that first. And if you have that, then I would go for it, you know, and, um, but, you know, at the same time, it depends if you were going to, if your career, your aspiration is to, you know, climb the ladder, you know, in a corporate environment, um, then I would probably pursue the MBA because, you know, that's something that, you know, I think is, um, probably better suited, you know, for, for that path, you know, you don't need an MBA to be an entrepreneur. Um, but one thing I did learn is, is that they do give you a lot of tools, at least in my program, um, and access, um, to tools that, that you should consider, you know, like, um, if you do have a, a business, you know, and you've got to think through, like um kind of like on shark tank you know you see you see these you know ideas so you know are you going to bootstrap it are you gonna you know would you be able to finance you know what it's going to take on your own or is it something where you're going to need investors you know so it makes you think about all of that type of you know that type of business plan um because each of those has its own set of you know risk and reward Mm um but but yeah, I think um, if 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 personally, if I were younger, um, I would, and I had a, a solid, you know, business idea um, that I know that there was interest and, you know, there could be some potential cash flow. I would probably go for that. Nice. Yeah. So is an MBA? Mm-hmm. You said it was helpful if you want to climb the ladder of corporate structures. In your experience, mm-hmm. is it is it more of like a you know, a, a piece of paper or a bunch of letters that are sort of a, a political like card that you can play to, to play the game and get promoted? Or is it more about actually increasing your qualifications and increasing the merit and the value you bring? So I think it's both depending on where you work at. Um, you know, it could be both, right? But for me, um, it's about, um, I think for me, it was, it was more of a different, um, challenging myself to think differently um, because, you know, it had been 20 years <laughs> since I had been in school um, and it was like, Oh, you know, so even that was a shock, you know, and you see a trend. I like to do things later in life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was, um, it was something that like, in other words, I, what I'm trying to say is, is that like, I didn't, I never thought that like by getting an MBA, I would say it would be, um, okay, you know, you got an MBA, here's your promotion. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not what I expected. And that's not what I think it's about because it would be a very painful experience. Um, if you were to go through that, um, with a very little guarantee of that happening, you know what I mean? There's no guarantee that that would happen. It's a hope, you know, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, right? Um, but I think from my, from my perspective, I really wanted to challenge myself in, in how I thought, um, you know, and problem solving, uh, you know, and just kind of, you know, think through things. But again, like I was saying through different lenses, um, because going through the MBA, you get so many, you get exposed to so many different things, 
um, and different tools and different ways of doing things and also different perspectives. So like we had some like CEOs in our class, we had some product managers in our class, you had so many like different, we had military people, you know, so many different perspectives. And when one of these topic, topics is um, presented, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you get all of this different um, knowledge. Um, so for me, I think it's just been more of, you know, kind of sharpening my skills, you know, getting some more um, background on, on different things, um, you know, different topics, but then um, also challenging myself in, in, in how you think. Mm, I like that. Um, what would you say is uh, the most important virtue, just in general, as a human? Um, I think it, integrity. You know, you've got to go through life with integrity. <laughs> you, you seem kind of resigned to say that. I, it's an important virtue. For sure. I'm like, son of a gun. I think you gotta, you got to have integrity. Gosh, darn it. You, you were looking for something with a little more pizzazz, but yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, if I if I thought about like, okay, what is it, you know? But then I thought, okay, if I'm raising my daughter, what do I want her to have? And it's integrity, you know. I was gonna say like honesty or you know, something other cool, but I couldn't <laughs> think of it. But no, integrity and cap, I think, uh, incorporates a lot of different values too. You know, you can't you can't lie, you can't steal, you can't cheat, and you know, be a person of integrity. Right. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. <laughs> cool. And we'll roll right into the next one, Alex. It's the question we ask yeah. in every uh, episode, except for a couple, mm -hmm. I think. All right. You're 25 years old, not married, mm -hmm. no kids, uh, no real responsibility other than taking care mm -hmm. of yourself. Uh, and you're looking for a change in direction. Maybe we'll yeah. set you up for later in life, or maybe it's just a way you want to spend the next uh, few months or few years. So you have a choice of joining the military, Ooh. branch of your choice, for four years, active duty, okay. or every week for six months, write and deliver a comedy stand-up routine in front of strangers. Right. What's the cadence on that one? Every week? Every week for six months. Versus four years military, and who knows what happens uh, in your four years with the military. Hmm. Uh, she's uh, she's, so, on she's one huh? of our rare you're you're one of our rare fence sitters. You, usually, people pop right away with their answer. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like you're your a thinker. Yeah, I like it. I am, but it's for the wrong reasons. Because I'm like, here I am, and I just said integrity. <laughs> You know, I'm the most important virtue, so I should pick the act of duty, but I'm not. <laughs> it's oh. the economy I would All right. I, I would, and it's so horrible because, like, you know, it's not very, you know, it's not, not very service. It doesn't have to <laughs> it be. It have a lot of integrity. But I would actually do the six-month thing, uh, the, the comedy skit. I think that would be fun. And that's, of course, assuming um, that I had, like, skills. You know what I mean? Like skills to write like a comic, like a really good, you know, set for. Do you, do you think you have those skills? No, not at all. But I'm saying in this scenario, I would assume that I had some sort of skill. Well, Daniel, uh, Daniel and I have asked this question of each other. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I answered military, not surprisingly. And, and Daniel right, right. Answered, uh, comedy. And Daniel's. Yeah. I think it's a theory, Daniel, or maybe a strong belief that if you grind and work really, really hard at writing, because 90 plus percent of stand-up comedy is about writing. Mm -hmm. uh, he thinks through practice, discipline, repetition, mm -hmm. you can get better and better. And I agree. I think his theory is probably right. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of things that uh, people look at as being either you have it or you don't, like mm -hmm. singing would be one of them and being funny is another one. Mm -hmm. And I think that to an extent that's true. Some people are very good at singing naturally. Some people are very funny naturally. But mm -hmm. if you like don't know how to sing or don't know how to be funny, you can learn and you can get to a point mm -hmm. where you're actually you're pretty funny or you're pretty good at singing. Uh, and it's not just a matter of innate talent. So it's funny that you kind of think that the 
that picking comedy assumes that you already have some ability to be funny. Cause I, I think do. the question is that it's more about, let's say you didn't have like, you are you right now, basically. Mm-hmm. And you have to go every week for six months. Uh, Mm-hmm. And basically teach yourself to be funny and work hard at being funny. Mm-hmm. Would you still do it? The first three or four months. Every, oh, yeah. Every week. Yeah. I would still do it. I would do it. Nice. Beca- yeah, because the thing is, is that, like, um, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I try to find humor in everything. And I, I, believe, I, I actually think you're right, though, in terms of you are – I do believe that. Like, because you see all these singers and, you know, and these um, – uh, comedians you know and they're not overnight you know success they've had to work at it but then you see like you know when you see some of the documentaries about them they really work I mean and they pitch different types of you know ideas and you know and then they tweak it and then you know so it's an art it's a science you know um but yeah I um I would definitely do that I think that I think that the, um, you know, serving in the military is so honorable, you know, and, you know, Paul and, you know, so admirable too. Um, and at the same time, you know, not to be compared, but in a different way, I think that, you know, making people laugh is, I think, one of the best gifts that you can give humanity. And it's so important. I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. Laughter is a mm-hmm. gift. All right, I want to spend some nerdy time on uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Star now, I, Wars. I am not a self-professed Star Wars guy. Uh, I know enough to be dangerous, but I, I should not be a big part of this conversation. I think Daniel's borderline uh, Star Wars nerd, and Alex, you are emphatically a Star Wars nerd. Yeah, I think for the original, so. Um, so I have a huge poster of Darth Vader. <laughs> And I'm actually fascinated with with him uh, and the way he runs his empire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, this, this yeah. is deep stuff. All right. Yeah. So that's so f- interesting because I, I only ever saw him as being this domineering, just jerk who would come into a group of people every now and then and say, why isn't this done? And then kill somebody and walk away <laughs> and then <laughs> hope that it works itself out. <laughs> so I'm curious, like... Did you see more than that in him as a character? I did. Yes, I did. So remember that whole NBA discussion and yes. that whole different lens, you know, we get, I had a whole different lens. And so if you think about it, you know, one could argue that Darth Vader is a very strong operational leader. Cause think about it. He runs a tight ship. Like there's, you know, there's protocol. He doesn't take a lot of uh, garbage from anybody, right? There's, everybody knows there's their spec thing there too. When you look at the rebellion, you know, especially in some of the later movies, like they don't have their stuff together, Mm. you know? So when you look at it, like even from an NBA lens and an operations perspective, the guy's organized, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's definitely organized. He's got his resources, you know, um, he knows he's got a plan. He's got a strategy for whatever he does. And, you know, the way he executes, sure, you know, I get it. It may be a little, maybe a little harsh, but. <laughs> but he does but the job. He does the job. The job gets done. I get the whole, you know, that he's evil and stuff. Like, I get that. That's not lost on me, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I, I, I think um, that's why I have a lot of his, uh, you know, his picture. <laughs> up on the wall and uh it's not just you know, I have a lot of Peter, though you have other stuff in your office oh yeah I mean for the longest time I had a lightsaber in there I have I have other superheroes so I have Wonder Woman of course and you know at home I have like speakers that are Millennium Falcon I've got um a TIE fighter um yeah so there's there's a whole bunch of stuff and how do you feel about Darth Vader's ultimate act of redemption when he took the emperor and threw him down in that electricity tube and saved Luke. Is that something that you also take inspiration to, or is it more just the operational mastery? (laughs) Take inspiration to. So, you know, I actually, and this is so twisted and I'm saying this on the podcast, but I actually, I think they did a good job of kind of showing some of the human element, you know, to Darth Vader. I think he was conflicted. You know what I mean? He was obviously conflicted. And so I think um, 
you know, and you see that, I think, a lot in life, too. People, you know, might do, unfortunately, they might make bad decisions or, you know, the wrong, go in the wrong direction for whatever, you know, influence. But, but I, I, to be honest, I like him from an operational perspective, you know, more, but I do recognize that he was more human than they initially want you to believe. Especially because Luke, his son is so sensitive and just emotional and wants to know who his dad is. And you finally get to see some actual recognition from his father in the yeah. last episode. It's, it's really nice. Uh, Alex, really fun catching up. Uh, great seeing you. Likewise. It's been a year. Shouldn't mm-hmm. have been that long, but that uh, it is really great seeing you. I'm glad Michaela is happy and healthy. Uh, yeah. You're, you're doing well and happy and I uh, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here and I really appreciate appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Come find us on Facebook or Instagram by searching Pod So One. We'd love to connect and hear your thoughts.